Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. So today, I'm not going to preach a full message. We're actually going to have a conversation. So next week, Pastor Sebastian is going to cover everything I missed in the six verses from today, plus all of his scriptures next week. Uh, As we continue our series, you've got mail in the Gospel of John, and uh, I'm going to read these in a minute here. But what I want to do is I want to uh, welcome to the stage today, uh, first and foremost, everyone's favorite person at Glory Hills, my wife, Brandy. She makes me more likable, you know, and uh, Brandy's going to come up, and uh, we have some very special guests and friends, Pastor Luca and Cassandra, all the way from Petui, Slovenia. They're here. They're going to come on up and come, come sit. We get to share like they get to share, because I'm going to talk for a little bit first, and uh Uh, I'm going to sit down in a minute, but we're going to read our scriptures, so we're going to get to a conversation with uh, Pastor Luca and Cassandra about uh, what's been going on in Slovenia. Pastor Sebastian just got back about a month ago with a team from Glastonbury. He took over there, and they were doing some camps. We're going to hear a little bit about that, but I want to read our scripture here. Uh, Title of the message or our conversation today is going to be focused around the thought of greater, and 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, how many... Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw, I'm really going to discourage myself, I think, by asking this. I sent out an email yesterday. How many read the scripture I said to read in the email? Oh, like seven people. How many realize that it's the wrong text for this week? That was from like three weeks ago. You just read extra scripture, that's great. So we're going to read it now because I put the wrong text for you to read in the email. But First uh, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6 says this, dear friends, do not... Wow. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit that they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how you will know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledged that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist which you heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. You want to hear a great message on the spirit of Antichrist? Go listen to Pastor Seb's message from about three weeks ago. Uh, He did a fantastic job with that. Verse 4, but, everyone say but. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Some translations say the spirit of error. And now I just want to frame our conversation, because when I was thinking about today, and I I wanted to talk with Pastor Luca and Cassandra, and we wanted to talk about Slovenia, but I wanted to go through Scripture. I'm like, we can't do both at least one after another, because then we'd be here way too long. So I said, how do, I was like praying about how do we do this together. And what I want us to look at, and whenever we're talking uh, about what God is doing, think about what God's doing in Canada, think about what God's doing in Slovenia, and we have this conversation. I want to bring us back to this thought. Jesus is greater, and the gospel still holds power today. This is where our hearts need to go as believers. This is what we need to live out, carry, and and believe in our lives. Because right off the bat, John is kind of talking about, hey, there's a spirit of truth, there's a spirit of deception. And there are people that claim they have the spirit, but you need to test the spirits. Last week we talked about how sometimes we worry, we wonder, am I really saved? My own heart kind of condemns me. And and we talked about the insurance that the Holy Spirit gives us. But now John's saying, but watch out. Because in a world where people are trying to say they have a greater knowledge or a new gospel, right? We've been talking about the rise of Gnosticism and this idea that, well, we believe some of the gospel, but we have these higher truths. John's saying, now there's people walking around saying, oh, the Spirit of God told me. And Grandpa John's like, I don't care if someone walks up to you and says, the Spirit of God told me this or that from you. Test the Spirit. Does it line up with Scripture? 
Are they people under authority? Because they were experiencing in Ephesus at this time, people going around saying, oh, the Spirit told me you don't have to behave like that anymore. The Spirit told me you can do this and that, and, and it, all, all those things that Jesus said don't really matter. And he says there's this hinge point there. He says how you know whether something is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth or a spirit of error and deception. He says, you know this, the ones who claim that Jesus Christ came, he lived in a real body, was died and raised from the dead, those ones know the Spirit of God. And what they were attacking was the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, and whether Jesus was fully God and fully man. And I'm always amazed when I dive into this book of 1 John, how it just seems like Grandpa John saying, oh, I just want to tell you something. Like, let me tell you something. Don't run out to the boat just yet. I want to tell you something. He keeps coming back to these deep theological truths and saying, if you are going to carry the power of the gospel... We have to hold fast to what we believe, that Jesus was sent by God, born of the Virgin Mary, walked in this life, fully God and fully man, died on the cross, paid for our sins, and was raised on the third day, and now is seated in heavenly places waiting, and he sent the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us until his Father sends him to return. And this is where we anchor our hope. But when people walk around and say, well, God told me. Or, you know, I don't, I don't know if this was real or that was real. There is a spirit of error and deception because people began to realize when we say, oh, well, God told me or the, the Holy Spirit told me, they were even saying there was weight or there was power to it and they were using it to twist and manipulate. And I think it's very interesting that we're talking about this today because when we talk about the power of the gospel and what God wants to do, one thing I learned going to Slovenia in October uh, of last year, Brandy and I both went and we got to spend some great time with Pastor Luke and Cassandra. Uh, when you start talking about a nation and a country that has very religious roots, you're now dealing with how do we share the gospel to a people and say, well, I know God. And you're always kind of wondering, well, but do you really know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God the way he wanted to be revealed to you? And so we're going to start this conversation today. And can we just welcome Pastor Luke and Cassandra one more time? And so, so I don't talk all the time. I'm going to ask them my first question, and then I'm going to hand the mic to Brandy, because she can ask some questions after that, uh, so I can't just jump in and interrupt. But uh, one of the first questions I have for the two of you this morning is, uh, what can you tell us about Slovenia in two to three, three to four minutes, about the demographic, the government, the history, and some of the needs in the country? Give us an overview of Slovenia, because I've tried to share with the church, but how you growing up there, Luca and Cassandra moving there, would see the need and, and what the country is like. So Slovenia is a independent country in Central Europe. We are just below Austria, east of Italy, west of Hungary, above Croatia. We used to be part of Yugoslavia. I was actually born in Yugoslavia, lived in Yugoslavia for three months. Then Slovenia got independent. Then I became Slovenian. <laughs> I was always Slovenian, but just it's in the Calgary. It's a small country. It uh, can fit almost between Edmonton and Calgary. You can drive through it diagonally in about three, three and a half hours on the highway. So it's not a big country. And they drive really fast there. We drive, 130 <laughs> is the speed limit. We drive 140 usually. <laughs> so we fly. Um, yeah, Slovenia has uh, uh, two million people, just over two million people living in it. The capital, Ljubljana, has about 300,000 people living it. So you can imagine that we don't have big cities. Edmonton for us is a huge city, um, and uh, most people in Slovenia actually live outside cities. They will be very dispersed, so the, even though we don't have a big country, it's quite populated. It's, people are everywhere, and uh, a lot of people uh, in Slovenia live in houses, some live in apartments, but uh, people have a hard time buying houses nowadays. Just like here, prices are going up, inflation and everything, hard to get a mortgage. Uh, 
So a lot of people need to rent, especially our demographic. It's hard to buy your first house, your first apartment, condo. So it's kind of similar in that sense uh, as here. Slovenia uh, has always been under someone's authority and rule until I was born, basically. <laughs> so until 1991, when Slovenia became actually independent, became a republic with a um, democracy. We have a president, so we don't have a king. In that we're different in Canada, we have a president, but we have a prime minister with a multi-party parliament. So 1991, all that happened. Before that, it was Yugoslavia. Before that, it was Kingdom of Croats, Serbs, and Slovenians. Before that, it was Habsburg monarchy. So Austrians were ruling us, and so forth and so back. Like, it was a different situation. So Slovenians still kind of maybe have this uh, mentality of not serving under someone. Um, we are not very nationalistic. We're quite uh, calm in that sense, humble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me saying that wasn't humble, but in the, they are quite humble. They don't think much of themselves or of Slovenia in a you know bigger picture. Uh, so that was the history. Then, uh, as I said already, people live outside uh, the cities, not big cities, uh, and. Uh, the country is quite green. We have a lot of forests, actually, just to put it in there. Uh, Slovenia is the second most forested country in Europe, right after Norway. So if you look at our land, we have a lot of forests as well. And it's quite diverse. So we have the Alps on the north, Julian Alps, then we have more mountains. Then we have the sea, the Mediterranean area, where we also visited with the team. Then we have flatlands, uh, where more farming is done. That's kind of where we live. Vineyard area. So it's quite different uh, and diverse. And one of the things I lied, I took the mic back from Brandy. Um, I wanted to ask about where you guys live in Petui, because one of the things that amazed me was the history and how long it's been around. Because every city we went to, there's castles everywhere, things like that. In Canada, you're like, oh, that building's 100 years old. That's amazing. And in Slovenia, you're like... No, this is like a few thousand years old. And can you tell us a little bit about Petui's history? Yes. Uh, so Petui, the city where we live now and where we pastor, is actually the oldest city in Slovenia. It was a city already before Jesus in the, in the Roman Empire. It was called Petovio back then. And the Romans were building uh, roads from uh, Italy, Venice, through Slovenia, into Hungary, into Budapest, and there was a big road actually going through our capital and also going through Ptui. And uh, at the time, actually, Ptui was bigger than it's now. Uh, Ptui has about 25,000 people right now. In the Roman days, it had about 100,000 people, which was a bigger city back then. Um, so, yeah, you can see some remains in Ptui of that. There's a, a gravestone of a mayor from 2nd century A.D., that is just displayed out there, uh, and then different things. We actually have Roman days, like a festival where everyone, like all these people dress up as Roman soldiers and as uh, aristocrats and everyone in the Roman Empire, and they just go around the streets. It, it's cool to see. And in Petui, let me just add this. <laughs> we are the only Protestant church. There's five Catholic churches, there's a monastery, Catholic monastery in the city. We're the only Protestant church. Yeah. And we're going to ask you some more questions about the spiritual atmosphere in Petui. But for Cassandra, let's pass the mic to her. Um, Cassandra actually grew up in our youth group. And we were talking last week that you were painfully, painfully shy. And um, you actually rejected Luca at first, yes? Yes. When he, when he <laughs> pursued her. And why did you reject him? Maybe you just, I know it's off script, but just share a little bit about that. Okay. Let's just put it out there for everyone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's true, I, I did reject him. Okay. Uh, but the main reason, because he said he was going back to Slovenia for sure. Uh, so we are kind of 
starting to date, and then he told me right away he has a very strong calling to go back to his home country, and I yeah. said, good luck to you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wish you all the best, but I, I'm definitely not going there. <laughs> so, uh, but I knew nothing about Slovenia at that time, and my friend actually convinced me. She said, have you ever been there? I said, no, and she said, maybe you should go check it out before you make any decisions. Yeah. And I went to Slovenia, and it was probably the most beautiful country I've ever seen. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, maybe uh, I can do it. So that's what happened. So what has it been like for you to move there and establish your life together in Slovenia as a Canadian, used to our culture, moving over there, getting used to their culture? Well, it was, uh, there was a lot of good and bad. The first two years were probably the most difficult of my entire life. But like the country is amazing in itself. It's really beautiful. The people are really hospitable. But I had to get used to uh, some bad financial hardship, I'd say, in the first two years. That was the hardest thing. I didn't have a job, and Luca was paid below minimum wage as a pastor. They don't really believe it's changing, but they don't really believe in paying pastors there. Uh, so we couldn't heat our home. We couldn't buy food uh, that first year, or first eight months, I'll say. Uh, so having an unheated washroom in the winter was not fun. So that was probably the worst thing. Uh, and then I was really praying to God, I really have to get a job or I'm going to go back to Canada. And after eight months, I randomly got a call for a job I didn't apply for. And so I got a job at a school. Yeah, it was really amazing. So uh, that kind of saved us that I uh, got a little job there. So then, yeah, it was a lot better. Also getting used to this, the churches there was very difficult for me. I always went to bigger churches in Canada with a lot of resources and a lot of pastors employed. And then we went to the biggest church in Slovenia, which had maybe 80 people at the time, with only one pastor employed and nobody else. And so it was, it was hard. They needed a lot of help. So that was kind of a shock, too. Yeah. And um, I think a big part of you getting work there and learning to integrate into Slovenian culture was the language. And we were talking a little bit about how difficult it is to learn. Maybe you can just share a little bit about their language and how it was to learn. Uh, so Slovenian is one of the hardest Slavic languages in uh, Europe to learn, which makes it one of the hardest languages in Europe to learn. And good thing I didn't know that uh, before I went over there. But uh, when I got there, I also didn't realize there was no courses for people to learn the language in the area where we lived and no books. So all the books were already in Slovenian. So what I did, I went to the library every day for about three to four hours and translated the books into English and then uh, learned the language <laughs> very, very slowly. And then I realized how hard the language was as I was translating these books, and I didn't know what I got myself into. Uh, but then I was committed at that point, so I said, I have to, I'll, I'll either die or learn this language. So I, I did learn it. It took, I'd say, a couple years, and uh, then I could really understand There's everything. one part of the language that you could have, like, 12 different options. Can you share it? I don't know yes. what, you explained it better, but maybe you yeah, when you conjugate verbs into Slovenian, uh, you, there's 12 different ways to do it based on the situation you're in. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but so if there's two men present or two women or a man and a woman, you use different verb conjugations. Then if there's two people present or two other people present that you're talking about who are not in the room, uh, then you use a different verb. And if there's multiple women, it's another verb again, or multiple men. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and then there's a polite version and then a, a, like a formal, uh, informal version. Uh, so then you have to be really careful with that. There's a few times I use the informal version with someone who I should have used the formal one with. Uh, so you have to have all these things in mind when you're talking to people. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of the tricky. young people in Slovenia speak English, but a lot of the older generations do not, right? So how does language affect the mission there? Yeah, so because of the reasons I said earlier, a lot of people don't learn Slovenian when they come to Slovenia, even missionaries. Uh, so I maybe know, I know dozens of foreigners in Slovenia, and maybe I can count maybe four or five that can speak the language fluently. That's including myself. Uh, so no one dares to do it. Uh, but all these people have come to help us for ministry as well. Uh, but it's hard for them to do any ministry uh, without the language. So that's a big hurdle for missionaries, uh, for sure, when they come over. Uh, but then it creates a new problem for nationals like Luca who have to kind of help us out at the beginning. <laughs> uh, so usually when missionaries come and help us start new ministries, the Slovenians have to do it anyways uh, because of, of the language. So, yeah, it's yeah. a big problem. Um, how has God used you learning the language to build your life there and um, helped you in your call to reach Slovenians? 
Yeah, that was one of the biggest things when I was called to Slovenia. I felt really strongly I have to know the language. Like, if I have to go to the library and translate the books, I have to do it. So that was the biggest thing. And now looking back, I realized that was the key to doing any ministry there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had to do it. Uh, when I first came to Slovenia, they couldn't really let me do much because of that. And it was hard to get a job also because of that. Uh, but now I'm actually able to take over ministry. So I run the kids and worship ministry in our church. Uh, without the language, I couldn't do that. And uh, also the camps were really involved in. You can't minister. Well, I think it's better to minister to young people in their heart language, even though they do speak English. Uh, so that's really helped me as well, connect with people. And uh, since we left in the fall, you got a new job, which honestly with the language. So what are you doing with your new job? Like you're teaching English, but because you learned the language. Yeah, uh, so in Slovenia, it's very hard to become a teacher. I finished my teacher training in, in Canada first, and they didn't recognize my education, so I had to redo my degree in Slovenia, and I had to learn Slovenian for that. <laughs> so that was really difficult. And then afterwards, you have to take a teacher's licensing exam, and about 50 to 60% of people fail that. Uh, and that was in Slovenian, so I had to go and do this in Slovenian, and it's just an oral exam, so you have to talk on the spot. Uh, so I just prayed, uh, probably harder than I've ever prayed, uh, to pass that, and I, I passed it the first time. So I got this teacher's licensing test, and then the school I got the job at before, like an assistant, a native speaker they call it, they gave me a job right away. And uh, at first, uh, there was no way I was going to get the job because the principal's friend wanted the job, and it was almost for sure I wasn't getting it. And again, I prayed, and I was like, God, if you need me to stay here, I need a secure job. Uh, so he really provided, and the principal chose me, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and, it, you know, hearing your guys' stories, seeing God provide through little things like that and just the favor of the Lord, because uh, Pastor Luke and I will talk a little bit more that uh, here, if someone was building a church, church planning, we would just say, well, be bivocational, get a job part-time, uh, work in ministry, and then when the church grows or things open up, there's opportunity for that. In Slovenia, it's next to impossible to do that because there are so many people with higher education uh, and not enough jobs for everyone to actually have them provide for their families. And uh, so Cassandra's job, like truly uh, a miracle and the church paying Pastor Luca, which we believe that churches should pay their ministers. And uh, so when Pastor Brett and I go back, we'll talk to your board and your people and all that stuff. He's like, sure, yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, do it nicely, though. Um, but, you know, coming back to the text that we read this morning in First John, uh, what I'm thinking about is how where it says you need to test the Spirit uh, and, and the Spirit of God. And Pastor Luca, could you tell us a little bit about the spiritual atmosphere and climate in Slovenia? Because uh, we are talking about a lot of Catholic churches, a lot of Orthodox churches that have long-standing history, but the climate has definitely changed. And uh, you're one of, is it 14, I believe, Protestant churches in the entire nation and Pentecostal, Pentecostal churches in the entire nation. And uh, that must present its challenges. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the spiritual climate is quite closed and hard. Actually, when we moved from uh, my home church to Ptui and to help uh, the church plan there, we actually felt sp like in a spiritual realm, like a position, almost like an attack on us because uh, we're, I'm from my home church. There's more Protestant churches. That's like the Bible area of Slovenia, right, the church area. So when we moved to Ptui, and that's the only Protestant church, and we actually feel there's a lot of strongholds, a lot of... Uh, opposition there we actually felt that and uh, it was kind of coming in between us so God really helped us through that and we had to pray through that um, so yeah it's hard uh, most people don't know the true Jesus they have their own version that they get raised up in they go to church because that is uh, expected that is uh, a rule you must do that but it's not out of a personal relationship with Jesus right so, actually, a lot of my friends, they, they will build a resentment towards church. They don't really want to go to church. They may be baptized in the Catholic church, but as soon as they're done with all those uh, sacraments that they need to get done, they're out. They're not even going anymore for Christmas or Easter. So, it's quite difficult to see that. Um, we, we really struggle to 
tell people, you know, hey, there's something else out there. When you tell a Slovenian about Christianity, they just default to the Catholic Church. That is Christianity for them. A lot of them don't even know there is a different way of Christianity. There is a better way of Christianity that has a true and close relation with Jesus. So that is, that is really challenging. People, because of that, are very closed. And when you start telling them about uh, the gospel, about what you experienced, they think you're crazy. They think you are part of a cult. Uh, actually, in Ptui, because our name, Evangelical Pentecostal Church, is very close to Lutheran Church, the word for Lutheran Church in Slovenian, most of them actually think that we are a Lutheran Church. They don't know what a Pentecostal Church is anyways, or Evangelical Church is. So in a way, that's good. They at least don't think we're really crazy out there. <laughs> but uh, then they think, oh, these guys are Lutheran. They're, these guys are also boring, just like us. It's all traditional. So it's, it's a hardship. It's really hard to overcome that. Well, and even you, you mentioned the Lutheran Church. Uh, pastor Andre in Merska Sobota told me when we were with him, like the lead pastor of the Lutheran Church in Merska Sobota is a professing atheist. And like publicly knowing that because it was like, well, I got my degree in this and I don't really believe it, but this is the job I can get. So let's just be a great social club and do things for the community. And so when people are hearing the word Christian or Christianity, this is the, the level and expectation of a relationship with Jesus that they've been getting outside of the Pentecostal churches uh, stepping in and saying, hey, let's experience and encounter Jesus uh, and help you meet him uh, because he wants to meet you where you're at. And I think that's where it's so important for us to remember, just like in Slovenia and Canada, uh, coming back to the heart of the gospel and relying on the power of the gospel, not, you know, whether our service goes off perfectly or this or that. Uh, it's the gospel. It's the, the good news of Jesus and how he works in our life that actually changes people. And so with that, one of the things I was going to ask you, Pastor Luca, was what are some of the things that your church is doing uh, in Petui and throughout the nation, uh, in partnership with other churches, to share the gospel, to introduce kids, families, people to the gospel? And uh, also, if you could tag in there, growing up in Slovenia, you went to church, and you shared a little bit with the youth on Friday night, but just because you're going to church, uh, there's a, a need to realize for yourself personally, God, what do you want me to do, and how am I supposed to walk out this calling? So I'll start with uh, my, my story. I grew up in a, a good Christian family. My dad was an uh, elder in the church preaching. We went to church five times a week, three times during the week, twice on Sunday. So I kind of hated going to church <laughs> as a child. It was just all the time. And my friends were out there playing. They were going to soccer practice. I had to go to church. So that was uh, just that mentality. None of my friends, none of my classmates went to church. I was the only one. Uh, so it was hard in that, you know. They all knew that I'm going to church. But as a teen, I wasn't really living for God. I was really uh, running away from faith. I was the guy who was getting other, other people into smoking, into drinking, into all sorts of uh, trouble, uh, even though they knew I'm going to church. So it, I wasn't a good light, light and I was very uh, sorry for that. I regret that now, but thankfully God called me back, turned my story around, called me deeper in a deeper relationship with him, and then called me to ministry later so that my friends actually could see a transformation from the mess I was, and a bad leader I was into becoming a pastor today. So uh, praise God for that. He's, he's good. Um, yeah, but uh, growing up in a culture that is so against Christianity and so against God, it's just difficult. It's difficult to live faith. You, you're not really encouraged by your friends. So uh, guys, be thankful for the community you have here. It's, it's amazing to have close friends of all generations to worship together. Um, in our church at that time, as Cassandra said, we had 70, 80 people. Most of them were old. I had maybe two, three guys that were my age in church. Uh, so that was kind of tough. But then um, you were asking first, how, what are the programs. programs? Yes. So I don't go on something else. 
so we are trying to change this. We're trying to, for people to get to know us, get to know the true gospel. And we are using different methods, different programs for that, uh, outreaches. Actually, the team that Seb, Pastor Seb led helped us with one of those. We are doing English ca uh, camps in the summer where we have native speakers, Americans, Canadians come, and they can uh, organize, help us organize a great camp where we have lots of fun, where they learn the language. And that is a big reason why parents want them to go to this. So the parents are actually encouraging the teens to go to that. Then, uh, because it's fun, because we are doing a good job there with that, the teens actually want to come to that and want to come back. And then through the, throughout the school year, we have every Wednesday night an English club ministry in our church where we also, through English, through games, uh, just minister to them. We have a Bible talk there, talk about Jesus, talk about Bible characters. So that's how we want to bridge this gap, that they understand, hey, there's something else out there. These guys live differently. They are uh, better off because they have a relationship with Jesus. And then we also have this parents ministry that we just started uh, where we invite moms or dads that are home with kids or uh, moms on maternity leaves uh, to come to our church building. We have a playroom for them. They can get coffee, grab tea. They can talk to each other, talk to us. So we actually, last year we had 25 uh, families come into our church building through that. They're not part of the church yet, but we pray that God will also call them there, keep asking questions about us. Hey, so what is your church really like? Can we attend your church? We say, yes, absolutely, please come. The English camp was a big success this summer. Actually, the best camp we had, 75 teens, age 10 to 15. Um, five of those were actually from believing families. 70 were from non-believing families from wow. the community and the rare area around. That was, that was huge. And uh, so those are the ministries. Then we do some concerts, outreach concerts. We have outreach weekends where we really share the gospel, invite friends to church. But that is a difficult step already. Like for a Catholic or an atheist to even come to our church, is, it's a huge step. Yeah. Maybe similar to here, but there it's even more. What will my family think? What will my neighbors think? If anyone sees me going to that uh, weird church... What would they think of me? That's yeah. a big obstacle even to do that. But in doing all of these things, you shared with us this week uh, when we were eating together about, uh, from one of the camps, a 14-year-old girl. And can you just share about that testimony? Because this is why, you know, sometimes I think even as pastors here, there, anywhere, and, and church people think, why do we do all these things? We do these events. We do all this stuff. And uh, I thought that story that you shared this week is that that's the why. And if you could share that. So, yeah, we, we were really thankful to the Lord what happened uh, the, after this camp, uh, this English camp this summer. We had a girl named Lucia come to last year's camp. Then she came to English clubs every week. And uh, at the end of the, in June, at the end of the school year, we organized a barbecue for the English club kids and their parents to come. And actually there, her parents start telling us she is different because she's coming to your camp, because she's coming to your uh, events, your clubs. She was really bullied in school. She had big anxiety to go to school. Every Sunday night she would get fever. She would have a running nose, coughing, because she didn't want to go to school on Monday. So she was physically showing that. Then she had to switch schools because of that. And then at that time, she actually started coming to our ministries, and she is being transformed. She is at peace now. She is not uh, suffering with anxiety anymore. Her parents told us that she's starting to become old Lucia again, as she was like four years ago. And then, so she came to this camp. She, I, tr I truly believe God called her there again, spoke to her through the messages uh, the team shared with them. And... Uh, then she went to a teen camp. Uh, well, first she went to, our, to the service that we organized with the team, the Canadian team, where she could hear a clear gospel message from Pastor DeAndre, responded to that. Then she went to our national Pentecostal teen camp, where they were really worshiping, experiencing God. And uh, then 
she started to attend our church. She's coming every Sunday now. And her mom told us, you'll probably see us more often. My daughter, she didn't want to go anymore to the Catholic Sunday school or Catholic church. But she actually wants to wake up Sunday mornings and come to your church. Uh, so that is really great to see. And she said, now actually, she's fully changed. She's like my old Lucia. Like, no problems anymore. No anxiety. Totally, totally set free and healed. Amen. Praise Come God. on. I mean, we could end right there because those are powerful things. John's like shaking his head at me. <laughs> Welcome back from Ontario. Um, uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up this morning, but one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys, how is it for you to being the youngest pastors in all of Slovenia? Because um, in Canada, we definitely have a leadership pipeline problem because when pastors who should retire or are going to retire in the next five years, there's not near enough pastoral leadership or uh, individuals that have answered the call or been raised up to, to lead the churches we have. But for you two, um, I believe you're the youngest pastors by at least seven, eight years. Uh, and then you got a couple guys in their 40s, old like me, but then everyone else is like 65, 70 plus uh, in, in your churches. And what's that been like for you guys going back? That's been quite a challenge, I have to say, but, <laughs> but we've been blessed. But we're, we're happy to serve in that respect because also I, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. Because uh, there's actually no one coming up after us, so we're both in our 30s. And no one is going to Bible college so far. Uh, so we're really praying for that. Uh, it's a challenge because also these older pastors who are in their 60s, most of them, see us as children. <laughs> so then it's hard getting that respect to actually, you know, lead something uh, as well. Uh, so, yeah, and you're also expected to do a lot. You kind of have to prove yourself a little bit that you're, you're really into it. So we kind of have, you know, a lot of work on our hands as well. I would just add uh, it's, uh, it's challenging because uh, you don't have that many colleagues, friends, your age that you can actually really relate to, hang out. You know, they say that it's lonely at the top. It's really lonely at the top in Slovenia as a leader yeah. <laughs> in a church. You don't have many people you can just open up to. There's also not, because of this huge gap and because the previous generation didn't have really spiritual fathers that would minister to them, they also don't see it as a priority and they don't really become spiritual fathers and mothers to us. So it's difficult in that sense, yeah. Well, and that kind of brings back to the partnerships that we've had over the last few years because when Pastor Brett went to Slovenia for the first time um, and uh, then there was like a three-and-a-half-year gap and we were all able to come back last fall, uh, thank the Lord for technology and the ability to have unity, relationship, and uh, be able to encourage one another that way. But uh, that's kind of been part of our church's commitment uh, here at Glory Hills, uh, at Glastonbury, and Pastor Brett and myself. Uh, where are we going to go with our relationship with Slovenia? And, and when you say, like, there's no leaders after you guys, um, how does that affect the future of the church? Where is this big need for um, raising up leaders? And, and what are some of the hurdles uh, to even call some of young, those young people to go to Bible college or go into ministry? Our biggest hurdle is there is no Bible college. <laughs> uh, so there's no training program or nothing. Uh, that's something we're really hoping to work on in the next couple of years. Uh, like Luca had to go to Vanguard College, so he had to come to Canada, which was very expensive, so a lot of people can't do that, uh, coming from Slovenia. Uh, but we also want something to be in Slovenian. We think that's really important that, again, it's in our heart language, uh, some kind of training program. Uh, we also have to set up something that they can do while working, because, uh, like we said, there's not a lot of people in full-time ministry. Uh, so alongside a job that they can also kind of be trained and then uh, go into the ministry. So that's a struggle. And... Uh First of all, I think it's important that young people are called to ministry, that they really hear God's voice. Hey, I want you to do this because later on when problems come, if you don't have that security, you're not going to stick around. You will probably leave it quite fast. So that was my experience, and that's why I'm still here. Even though it wasn't easy, it was, 
it would be much easier to quit and do something else. Uh, probably easier life altogether. But anyways, so first call to ministry and then also having a network to actually encourage them. And next steps, hey, how, how can we help you? How can we get you to ministry, to a position where you can actually serve and lead well? So Bible training is big for that. And uh, it's a challenge because a lot of the ministries in our churches are kind of run by volunteers. But volunteer work there is even, it's, it's a bigger challenge, I would say, than even here. To get someone to do anything there, it's hard. So we can't do more because we don't have the people. We're limited. We would like to do more things, bigger outreach stuff, uh, better stuff for youth. Uh, that's the hope from all of this English camp and club ministry, that we get a youth group one day, young and old group, and so on. But we need leaders for that. So that is a big need. And so, you know, what I wanted to share with everyone here at Glory Hills today, that part of our partnerships and commitments is uh, through Pastor Brett at Glastonbury, uh, myself and Brandy here at Glory Hills, one of the commitments we've made to Slovenia is that annually we would go, not necessarily with a huge team, but to put out a call to ministry, to train leaders, to help build whatever structures are needed in Slovenia to uh, train young people who feel a call to ministry uh, to get theological training and to be able to do it in their own language. Um, I remember a few years before Luca came to Canada at Vanguard, uh, there was a big program to bring European students over uh, to train them and send them back into their countries uh, and to plant or lead churches. And uh, I know of three guys who actually went home. The rest of them found wives and stayed here. Um, and, and so, you know, even the college here, the Pentecost College is like, this investment isn't really turning into what we thought it should be. And so one of our commitments and partnerships is that uh, if you hear that I'm going on a trip and it's like, oh, it's a young adult camp. Well, it's in those areas and opportunities where we get to stir up faith and prophetically call out a call of ministry in a young person's life. But if there's not a consistent voice and people going back um, and them partnering with a pastor like Pastor Luca or Pastor Andre or Pastor Mitia in different cities in Slovenia, um, we need to find ways to make sure that they can grow in their theological training while they're still doing their job. Because the idea of even how here, just go to school uh, for theological training and, you know, it's easy to live or get student loans. It just doesn't happen uh, for theological training unless you said there's one school that's very boring. You would never go there, uh, and it's not the theology you want them to learn. And uh, and so that's kind of been our partnership. And as we as we pray for Slovenia, as we look at that, uh, we're we're really looking at ways on how do we partner with Slovenia because. A lot of times people go and they say, we went on a missions trip. Well, the mission is seeing God raise up leaders and churches and actually churches and believers reach their own communities with the gospel. The mission is not us fly in, you should do it all this way, and if you do it the way we do it, it'll work perfectly. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I remember the first time that we landed uh, after 20-some hours of travel, Brandy was very tired, and Pastor Luca is so hospitable, but he said, let's go for supper. And Brandy thought she was going to cry and not make it through supper because she was that tired. And then he tells me, okay, um, I'll, I'll pick you up for church. It was like at like 8.15 or 8.30 because we start at 9 there. I'm like, why do we start at 9 when you only have one service? Like, let's start it a little bit later. And he's like, nope, people like to start early here. And so few hours sleep preaching, and the first time preaching with uh, Pastor Luca translating, you begin to realize, oh, I was terrible. Um, thank God Pastor Luca's good. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and we should build, we should build a bigger stage for you, because we had to, like, stand shoulder to shoulder, and, uh, and that was an experience for me, and you begin to see for people and the heart for Slovenia where if we're going to raise up pastors and leaders, our heart as a church and when we go as leaders is how can we serve Slovenia best? Not about what makes Glory Hills, what makes Glassboro, what makes saints look good. It's never about that. It's about how do young people know that they can reach their own generation and their community and we're going to do whatever we can and it's, it's going to cost us something 
to make sure that they can lead forward for generations to come in their country and in their nation because God calls them there. And, uh, you know, I love Slovenia. When God calls me back to Edmonton uh, after next year, I'm probably going in the winter. Uh, well, when I go to Slovenia, I'm hopefully going next February, March. And it's going to be much nicer there than it will be here. And so after, it's like, God, I'll have to remember, God, you've called me to Parkland County, not Slovenia, because, you know, it'd be really nice to stay there. I couldn't learn the language. I'm too impatient. But I look Slovenian. That's what they told me. The, the lady who runs the bed and breakfast, she's, uh, I think it's, I don't know, just good, strong European genes. But anyways, now we're sidetracked. Uh, I want to ask one last question to Pastor Luke and Cassandra uh, for you as a church. And that question is beyond when our leadership and we bring teams and we're going to help do what you guys see as the need in Slovenia. It's not about, oh, we want to come do this. It's where's God leading you, like we say, one step at a time. And so the need for different teams or, or training is going to change year to year to year. Um, and we just want to serve in that respect. But for the church congregation, how can we, from Canada, at home, individually partner with you uh, in a unity of heart and spirit to say, God, let, let Slovenia experience the goodness of God and the gospel because that's what we're talking about. It's the power of the gospel. And I want to bring up one last verse on the screen here is that First John 4, 4, he says this. Uh, it says, you've already won the victory. And some days it doesn't feel like we've already won the victory. Some days when you go home and church feels hard, or the camp doesn't go as you planned, or people aren't really receptive to the gospel. And, and John writes something like this, well, you've already won the victory, because we have in Jesus, but we face opposition. But then he tags this on, he goes, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that's in the world. And, you know, I want to encourage you, Pastor Luke and Sandra, that the Spirit of God in you is greater than any obstacle that you're going to face. And church, we got to remember that for here, for where we live, that the Spirit of God that lives within us is greater than anything that we're going to face. But in the, the light of that and in that heart, how can we partner with uh, Slovenia and with you guys especially? Uh, well, I think the most effective thing people can do is absolutely pray. Uh, we believe in the power of prayer, and anytime any kind of breakthrough happened in Slovenia, it came out of a lot of prayer. So we would ask, please, to pray for people. Actually, there's someone in particular you can pray for. There's someone who did get a call to ministry. His name is Gregor, and we're just praying that he's going to follow through and, and, and do it. So, yeah. So pray, pray for new young leaders to be called to ministry, to be called to leadership positions in churches, to be called to pastor we really need someone younger than me. I don't want to be the youngest pastor at 32. We need young guys and girls in the ministry. And uh, pray for the existing pastors. Pray that God would strengthen them, that God would give them wisdom and the right decisions. How also to encourage the young generation, to encourage all generations to serve God there. Uh, just every time we, as, as Cassandra said, we saw progress, it was through... Truly, through God's help, God opened doors, miracles happened, uh, the right people came, helped us. Um, so we just want to continue in that. We need prayer. We need God to lead us in that. So please pray for us. At the end, it's a spiritual battle, right? There's forces against us there that don't want the church to grow, don't want God's kingdom to spread. We need prayer. And we know Christ already won. We're victorious in him. Let's just live that. Well, why don't we do that right now? Why don't we all stretch out our hands towards Pastor Luke and Cassandra, and we're going to pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this couple. I thank you for the ministry call that's on their life. I thank you, God, that this was your idea, not theirs, because sometimes it would be very difficult if we didn't hear that voice of your Holy Spirit leadings. But, God, I just pray that you would strengthen and you would encourage them as they... Uh, 
make their way home in the next couple weeks here. God, I pray that the rest of their trip in Canada would give them an opportunity to be rested and refreshed. And God, that even, uh, Lord Jesus, the plane ride home with a two-year-old would be glorious and refreshing and miracle plane rides in Jesus' name. Um, I pray that when they get back uh, for their fall and uh, that the seeds that were sown through all the work that they've been doing, Lord, that they wouldn't grow weary in well-doing, but they would reap the harvest that you are preparing and that they would know, God, even when it was below the surface, even when it was dark and we didn't see it, you were working. And God, I just pray that it would sprout forth and there is going to be a new life and there is going to be a new uh, uh, seed that comes up out of the ground to make their church see change and the life of God grow in the cities that they're in and in the cities that they reach. Heavenly Father, I just pray that uh, for Pastor Luca, you would strengthen his heart to preach the word of God, to raise up these leaders to be able to have the tough conversations and lead well by example and wisdom and in stature, Lord. Even as Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example to the believers, God. He has been doing this. He has been walking this. But God, I pray that you would give him a, a, a new level of respect and honor and wisdom to be one who leads leaders in the nation of Slovenia. God, we thank you that you have opened doors for Cassandra to teach, and she has the ears of people who want to learn English, but God, they're not only going to hear that, they're going to hear her heart, they're going to see the heart of Jesus and the life-giving love of the gospel through everything that she does. And God, as you use them together and you bless their family, Lord, would you cover them? Would you lead them? We thank you that you've provided, but Lord, we just pray that there would be an increase and there would be a, uh, 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 just a covering over them that they wouldn't need to worry about finances. They would know that your timing and your season is bringing them into good and beautiful things so that you will equip them to do the work that they've been called to do. God, I pray that in our hearts that when we pray and we think of missions and we think of other countries, we would think of Slovenia. We would think of this country that is so much like ours but just desperately needs Jesus just like ours. That we would pray for them and we would love them as part of our church family that just lives in another country in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.